Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host Travis. Today I am back from vacation. Uh, I did not release an episode last week because I was floating down the Snake River with John, the, my old co-host, as many of you remember and know. And it was a blast to disconnect and be away from society and just with a group of guys just wanting to float down a river fish hunt and uh, whitewater raft. So it was a lot of fun. I'll be posting some pictures and maybe some videos in the Facebook group, L Bros, over on the Facebook page or Facebook community. So if you haven't joined there, make sure you guys go join. And been a great mental reset. And so I want to do kind of like back-to-back episodes um, to get, kind of get caught up and uh, go over some things that I think are important. Um, today, I want to discuss asking the right questions in your jiu-jitsu journey. <clears throat> it's uh, crucial to focus on learning and growing. And I want to explore some alternative alternative questions to common questions asked, especially as a white belt. And this is going to be a two-part series. So today's going to be part one, and then tomorrow will be part two. So the first question I want to bring up is when people ask about getting a blue belt, when will I get my blue belt? I don't think very many people ask this question. Um, but I think there is a way of asking this question that will prompt a better response from your professor or whoever you are looking for advice from or guidance on how to receive your blue belt. And the way I think you should frame this question is, what do you look at when promoting someone to the next rank, whether it's blue belt, purple belt, um, brown belt, black, whatever, when you ask them what are they looking for in that specific rank, I think it opens up a more of a conversation rather than a, how do I say, like entitledness, right? I think think when you ask the question of when am I getting my blue belt or when am I getting my purple belt or something like that, I think it kind of gives off this sense of entitlement, like you deserve that belt and maybe you do, maybe you don't. That's up to your professor or whoever promotes you. So I think when you reframe the question to what do you look at when promoting someone to X rank or the next rank, I think it offers uh, a couple points that are great. Um, It promotes uh, asking them, you know, about the criteria and helps you better grasp the expectations and requirements um, for progression within your rank or to the next rank. Um, also, it encourages you to uh, concentrate on improving your skills and knowledge rather than pushing through the ranks, which is something that I definitely talk about quite often, that that was one of my faults, was I felt like I focused so much on pushing through the ranks and not just enjoying the journey. I've, I've mentioned this many times before. And then also it's uh, allows you to set specific goals um, based on that criteria that your professor's telling you. You know, I want you to do um, X, Y, and Z, right? And some of that might actually be a weakness of yours, which helps you kind of want to motivate yourself to work on those weaknesses to get to that next belt. So once again, instead of asking, when am I getting my blue belt? When am I getting my purple belt? Or whatever it is. Ask instead, what do you look for when promoting someone to the next rank? 
I think that'll foster a much better conversation back and forth between you and your professor. Um, question number two that we often hear is, can you show me, insert technique here, uh, whatever it is, can you show me a buggy choke or can you show me heel hooks or straight ankle locks or whatever it is? Um, instead of asking, can you show me this technique? I think you should ask, um, what basic submission would I benefit most from learning? So the reason I say this is because as white belts, we can often get captivated by the Instagrams or the YouTube videos that we see. And we, we all make jokes about it, right? Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go in there and practice whatever I want and do whatever I want or something that I saw on Instagram right before stepping on the mats for class. And I think, I think it's, there's good and bad in that because, you know, I, like I, once again, I mentioned before, having that hunger to learn is great and having that hunger to explore is fantastic, right? But instead of asking your professor, um, you know, maybe some off the wall technique that you saw on Instagram, um, thinking that it might benefit you, instead ask, you know, what are some, ba what's a basic submission that uh, would benefit me the most from learning? And some of the, the points behind this is it focuses on, you know, the fundamental submissions um, to ensure like a, a solid basic, I don't want to say techniques, <laughs> before moving on to more advanced ones. Because you may think, hey, I want to learn a buggy choke, but you have no idea even how to do a head and arm choke or a triangle or, you know, some other like uh, strangulation. So if you want to learn the buggy choke, but you don't know these other fundamental movements, it might not be beneficial to you. Um, and then also it in, encourages like progression. So maybe your professor thinks that there are specific fundamental submissions that you should know before going into the advanced ones. And maybe he already has a path of techniques or submissions that he would like you to learn or improve on before um, learning these more advanced ones. Uh, and then also it makes you more of a deadly, deadlier person, right? Cause if you can be more versatile with the, the basics, the easier it is to learn these, these more advanced ones. When you look at the highest level guys in jujitsu, a lot of the times they're using very basic submissions, a rear naked choke or, you know, a arm bar or, you know, whatever. And they're not using a whole lot of like fancy things because the basic submissions are always there and they're just very good at getting there and very efficient at getting there. So instead of asking, hey, can you show me X, Y, and Z submission? Instead ask, what basic submission would I benefit the most from learning? So just keep that in mind. The, the, the next question that you guys should think about, and you know, this, is, this might be a, more of a controversial one, because everyone talks about size and strength in jujitsu, but a lot of the times, you know, especially smaller practitioners, they'll they'll go up and they they'll ask, "How do I beat a bigger and stronger opponent?" And it's a great question because, as smaller practitioners, I'm sure, you know, I've, I'm not a smaller practitioner, but I'm sure there is a lot of frustrations when going against larger training partners that are bigger and stronger than you and you feel like there is a little bit um disadvantage 
that you're constantly facing. And in my opinion, smaller practitioners are almost always more technical than bigger practitioners or larger practitioners, however you want to say it, because they are working against, you know, bigger, stronger opponents all the time. But instead of asking that, because I think it's a very general question, once again, this is to be more of a targeted question. And it is what techniques work well against opponents with a size and strength advantage? And you could even throw a little bit more um, targeted response in, and you could say for my my size or my skill level, because your professor or your coach or whatever you want to call them is going to know you better than you probably do, because they're teaching you and they're watching you from the outside. So they might say, "Oh, you should really learn uh, how to use like butterfly hooks or uh, wrestling up or whatever it is." So asking, you know, what techniques is or what moves or however you want to phrase it to your professor is going to help. And some of the, the key advantage of this are it shifts your, your thinking from beating someone in the training room to uh, being more effective and uh, promoting a kind of like a strategic mind instead of like trying to like brute force through the round. And I, and I honestly think for bigger practitioners, sometimes it is a little bit of a brute force way through roles, especially with smaller practitioners. And so I think it, it fosters a a more of a strategic approach to your roles. It also, uh, allows you to increase your adaptability. Well, I guess you could say when you are able to learn ways of beating larger and stronger opponents and how to effectively do that. It helps you in a broader aspect of uh, other opponents or people that you'll roll against, even your training partners. Because even in competition, sometimes you'll go against someone that is bigger and stronger than you. Like you're within a weight bracket, right? There's a, you could be at the bottom part of your weight bracket and going against someone that cut weight to be in your weight bracket that is bigger, stronger than you. So being able to face those people, even in competition is a great thing. So, um, so once again, instead of asking, how do I beat a bigger and stronger opponent? Instead ask what techniques work well against people that have a size and strength advantage against me. And I think, once again, that should foster a better conversation between you and your professor. The next one is going to be something for my purple belts only. (laughs) For the purple belts out there or white belts that really hate warm-ups. And it's, can we do something else for warm-ups? And I think this might be something that a lot of people don't think about. And I'd honestly, this might throw some shade towards coaches and BJJ coaches out there and BJJ practitioners, but I don't think um, a lot of people necessarily think about why they do the warm-up the way they do. I think a lot of jiu-jitsu practitioners and coaches do warm-ups that they are used to doing and they were raised in jiu-jitsu doing. So I think when you ask this alternative question, it might promote them to think about why they do something this way too. And I think the alternate question you should ask is why are warmups important for BJJ? Or can you tell me the benefits of 
doing our warmups this way. Because I think if you ask the question that promotes them to think about why they do it, I think it will help them understand why they do it also. And this isn't to say that, you know, you should be changing your coach's mind on why they do warmups, but I think you ask them, hey, why do we shrimp up and down the mat? Or why do we run around in circles instead of doing this? Or why are we doing bear crawls for five minutes? But asking it in a way of like a curious mind instead of a challenging tone, I think that it will benefit you a whole lot better in the long run instead of, you know, like, hey, why are warmups are stupid? And some of the key, key aspects of this alternative question is <clears throat> it promotes like an educational conversation between you and your, your coach, and it helps a better understanding of why we warm up the way we warm up, however it is, right? Some people like general calisthenics in class or a general body warm up with movements. Some people like more of a jujitsu based warm up where they do, you know, fight for underhooks and grips and stuff like that. And, and, you know, It'll help you understand why these things are important to prevent injuries and whatnot. And it also helps promote like engagement in the class. So knowing why warmups matter can make you more committed to um, the part of the training. Because a lot of times I feel like people will just kind of mundanely move through the warmups. Like, oh, man, I just want to I just want to get over this warmup. I'm over this warmup. This is so stupid. Why do we keep doing this? You know what I mean? So I think being able to be more engaged with the why will help you be better at being engaged with it, if that makes sense. I feel like I kind of just repeated myself on that. It also prepares you mentally for the warm-up because acknowledging the value of warm-ups can mentally prepare you for the rest of the training session. Uh, some schools out there, unfortunately, do do a super long 30, 45-minute warm-up and then you know, they'll have like an hour and a half class and half of it's a warm up. For those people, I'm sorry. I don't think there's any changing that, honestly. I think those are just a way that, you know, those people were brought up in jujitsu and there might be heart stuck in their way of thinking that's the right thing to do. And um, it's not for everyone. And if you don't enjoy warm ups and they're like that, maybe look for a new academy. I hate to say it, but a lot of the times, those people are been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. That's the way that they've always done their warmups. And they're not going to change it because they think it works. And they, they you know, that's, that's how they were brought up. So they're going to probably keep that mindset. This next, this next question that I often hear, or not necessarily exactly this, but it is a concern when people first start in jiu-jitsu and the question is should i start sparring from day one right now when should i start sparring you know the question of how soon or when should they start you know sparring in the class and once again everyone's going to ask you or pretty much answer you start from day one you should start from day one and start sparring even if you don't have the confidence in what you know or anything like that. Almost everyone in jiu-jitsu is going to tell you to start sparring from day one because that's the that's the moment that we learn the most or that's the part of the class that we probably learn the most is the action of jiu-jitsu, you know, the performance of jiu-jitsu. So if you ask someone, should I start sparring or they're, they're most, 99% of the time, I can almost guarantee you, they're going to say, you should start right now. Your first class um, or right away, uh, but instead, I think a better question to ask is, how can I build my confidence to start sparring? And 
The reason I really like this question is because it allows you to get pointers on a very intimidating task that we do in jujitsu, which, you know, we expose ourselves when we, when we spar. We expose ourselves to our teammates that we don't know anything or that <clears throat> might be better than us. And I think when you say, how do I build my confidence? It also opens up to others like your coach or even classmates that you are a little unconfident about participating in sparring. And so if you kind of open that up for discussion, then they can give you kind of more of tips on how they got into sparring and how they feel during sparring. And it gives a a little bit of a deeper conversation behind how people get into it. You know, when I started jujitsu, I was in my 20s, mid-20s. And, you know, I was just young, athletic, ready to go. So I never had the worries for sparring. But that's not to say that the mom looking to join jujitsu that wants to do it for self-defense to prevent, you know, their kids getting taken from them, they might not have that encourage or that uh, courage to start right away. Or someone that was bullied as a, a kid or that is very insecure with their themselves and their body, they might not have that confidence to start sparring right away. If you are one of those people, ask, how do I build that confidence to start sparring? What do I need to do to start sparring? Because it might be, keep showing up to class, you know, it might be, hey, stay and watch some sparring, you know, or spar with higher belts, you know, or something like that. So that might help you build your, your confidence. And like I mentioned before, asking this question will acknowledge the potential hesitation and focus on building the mental side of preparing to spar. If you've mentioned that you're hesitant about doing something, a lot of people will help you and assist you in, in you know, reassuring that everything's going to be okay and whatnot. Now, remember, we're not baking cakes here. We are physical fighting, physically fighting each other. So just keep that in mind, too. And once again, you know, it, it promotes like a progression on how you can ease yourself into this. And that progression is, you know, slowly and gradually easing yourself into sparring and allowing you to feel more comfortable and confident. You know, if it takes a couple of months or a couple of weeks or a couple of days, you'll, you're, you're slowly building that confidence to, to jump in there and, you know, really test yourself against your, your classmates and everything. And it builds your mindset, right? Because if you can admit that you're having a hard time wanting to go through, you know, the sparring aspect, <clears throat> it's going to help you build that that confidence and, you know, make you mentally stronger to not have excessive anxiety when you come to class because you have to think, oh, my God, I got to spar today. Oh, man, how am I going to get how am I going to step on the mat? Oh, I feel like professor judges me so much when I don't spar or I feel like my classmates don't don't respect me as much because I don't spar. So building that over time allows you to to build that mindset and once again that that mental fortitude to being able to do something that you're scared of and also being able to feel confident in yourself and your skills. But speaking of confidence, today's episode is brought to you man by Manscaped, who has taken a step up in Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to troll or trouble Manscaped's all-new handyman. That's it right here if you guys are watching the video. Can you guys see? 
Handyman is the best way to get rid of stubble. It's featuring a compact design with the next-gen skin-safe technology, and the Handyman was designed to give you the smooth finish without the mess and trouble of a traditional shave. Get the sweet treat for this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and using code ETP20 at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. I started using this Handyman to shave my neck after I trim my face with the beard trimmer, and thing is amazing i have not got one nick or cut or anything on it and it gets super smooth my wife actually loves it i'm not used to using like a traditional electric razor like this but dude this thing is amazing i also use it like on top of my beard to like trip like shave my cheeks down and create like a nice line if you guys are watching the video it looks pretty fantastic i must admit so don't forget to get 20 percent off and free shipping with code etp20 at checkout at manscape.com once again that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com using code ETP20. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. So for the, the next question is kind of ties into the one earlier about showing me the specific technique, but it is what is the technique that works best for insert scenario here? You know, I'm trapped in side control. How do I escape? Or what is the surefire way to get out of a triangle? Or whatever it is. And I think a better question to ask, because that's such an open-ended and hard to target down exactly what the answer would be because it's it, there's so many variables in a certain situation. I think a better question to ask is, what principles should I focus on for a strong jiu-jitsu foundation? So the nice, beautiful thing about principles and let's say concepts or something like that is it's allows you to have an idea behind the role the entire time or key aspects that you should always think about no matter what situation you're in, like inside position, not allowing someone to control your head, uh, underhooks, uh, all these things, not allowing people to get chest to chest or chest to back or having short and long frames, all these things that Jordan talks about in his jujitsu theory course, link down below, elbows tight 25 at checkout if you guys haven't checked it out yet but this this all the like the concepts and the principles that jordan goes over in that are things that you should really be thinking about and when you ask the question of what what principles or concepts should i focus on for like a strong uh jiu-jitsu foundation one of the things that it it really does is it emphasizes like the fundamentals right it's not it's not giving you the answer of how to exactly do something it's telling you the the fundamental things that you should think about within jiu-jitsu. So it like encourages white belts to prioritize fundamental position or fundamental principles or concepts over specific techniques. Because even if someone gives you a specific technique that might work in that scenario, there's no guarantee that it's gonna work. But if you understand these concepts or principles, then it's gonna it's gonna help you a lot more. And then focusing on principles ensures for a more stable and adaptable uh, foundation that can like evolve in all jujitsu scenarios. So just keep that in mind. Also, it encourages creativity because understanding principles allows you to apply them creatively in various situations uh, against, you know, various people that you're rolling against. And it, you know, it fosters a, like a deeper understanding of uh, you as a practitioner within the gentle art of folding people while they're still in their clothes. <laughs> Um, and it also like, and like I said, and you know, it allows you to just be more, uh, adaptable and 
a lot of situations that are just crazy and there's so many variables and whatnot. But if you understand like core concepts and core principles of jujitsu, then it makes you being able to escape or defend or whatever a whole lot easier. And if you made it this far, welcome to EBI Overtime. <laughs> uh, and this is the, the final question for this episode that I think is super important. And it's about improvement and learning. And instead of asking, why do I keep getting submitted or why do I keep getting tapped by so-and-so, the, 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 question, the answer is most likely going to be because they're better than you or you got caught or you made a mistake. And I think a better question that you can ask your professor is, how can I learn from my losses and improve from them? Because then you are looking at more of a, a mindset of accepting these losses, but wanting to improve. And that allows people to give you pointers on how they have improved from their losses. Because once again, I think, I think the idea of how do I stop getting submitted is, is kind of a, not, I don't want to say entitled, but it definitely just kind of comes off to me a little bit like, what do you mean? How do you stop getting tapped? You never stop getting tapped. You know what I mean? Everyone gets submitted. So you'll never, you'll never get a straight answer on that. But, but when you ask, how can I improve from my losses? I think that opens up a door to specific tips and specific ideas that people can give you. Like, hey, maybe you should journal after each role and pay attention to how you got submitted and whatnot. Hey, maybe you should video yourself and then show me your video afterwards. And then we can go over some ideas on how or some ways that you can stop from getting submitted. And it builds a positive perspective and shifts your focus from the negativity side of jujitsu, like, I keep getting submitted, I get keep submitted to a more of a growth mindset and encouraging you to see losses as opportunities for growth, if that makes sense. So instead of your class, it changes your mindset from my glass is half empty because I keep getting submitted to my glass is half full, which I'm learning and I'm trying to fill that cup. You see what I'm saying? If that makes sense to you is how, how I look at that. And uh, it's, you know, motivation to learn uh, from your loster, losses and foster resilience and your like determination to be more of a resilient tr practitioner because you're not going to allow your losses to get to you. You're not going to allow those, those downs in your journey to get to you because you're going to be like, look, I keep getting submitted by this person. I need to focus and I need to understand why it's happening. So it, it fosters a little bit more motivation for you. And then it also promotes active learning. So, which is great because it shows or it makes you shift your mind in the role from, once again, that kind of like victim or negative mindset to wanting to learn more. You're like, you know, a great, great thing to do is after someone submits you, you can always ask like, how did you get me with that? Can you show me that later? You know what I mean? So that way, they show you a little bit of their game. So maybe next time they're not going to get you with it. Just throwing that out there. Also, it's kind of like, a, you're like, oh, can you show me that? That way you never get me with it again. But if it's you're rolling against someone better than you, they'll probably still get it because they're just, <laughs> they're just better at it than you. But, you know, it, it helps with a uh, positive, like active learning environment for yourself. So those are the first seven questions that uh, I think you guys should shift your mindset and try to think of these alternative questions. I really, I really think there's a lot of value in asking targeted and specific questions instead of more generalized, uh, ambiguous, you know, answers that don't really 
hone in on what you want to learn. Like I, t I tell my son all the time, ask the question you want to ask. Don't ask a general question because you're going to get a general answer. If there is a specific thing that you are looking for, ask that specific question and get as targeted as possible for yourself. So that way you get the answer that can benefit you the most. All right, guys. So let me know if you guys answer or ask any of these questions, or you're going to shift the questions to something similar to what I have. And uh, yeah, guys, let me know what you guys think. Be sure to DM me on Instagram, follow me everywhere, elbows tight everywhere, elbows tight.com for merch. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to Watch Home and enjoy the next one. Peace.